Master. We're here. We're back. We are Fishtown Local, and we are on the air in, yes, another rainy, cold, well, I've seen it's not that cold, but the first uh, week of November, November 2nd, we've just done away with Halloween. We are ready to hit the holiday season. And to do that, um, because I have been, you know, basically stood up, canceled, snubbed by my last guest, I figured I would uh, read a couple of classic Gordow columns over the air. And uh, my audience, of course, is the incredibly adept with fingers of steel, Jim Capello. Mm -hmm. He's got the finger on the button ready to cut me off at any moment. No, not for profanity, for saying stupid things. Well, so if I disappear, it's <clears throat> his fault. So, I wrote a column last January. And it really, when I wrote it, it was probably going to be my last column ever in the Gloucester Daily Times. We can discuss that another time, but let's just say it was written as a final column. And the name of the column, some of you might have read it, is Big Freeze in Pigland. <laughs> All right, another barnyard classic. Oh boy, has it been one doozy of a week to kick off the new year. 2018. Blizzard, cold, wind, floods, a chaos of frozen cars. Out in the barnyard, it has been a similarly tough week. New Year's Day was the harbinger of things to come as the wind and cold moved in and camped in Gloucester, turning our naive, warm, harmless December into a survival of the fittest primer. Before the snow, the joke was just on me. That is, the poops were frozen to the ground and could no longer be scooped right into my shovel. No, now they had to be pulverized from the side with the shovel and then laboriously scraped up one by one so frozen that they crunched and rumbled into the metal of the blade. The animals, particularly the piggies, thought this was so funny. They hung around with grins spread wide on their faces as if they had just posted it on the web with a big selfie. Their built-in climate thermostats had caused them to grow their hair extra long for a cold winter. So up until now, they had been mainly laughing uh, and oinking off the weather. But after the snow came the real cold. Supreme cold it was. They huddled together in the goat room, which was good strategy as their bulk grouping seemed to keep them toasty, even on those ridiculous cold nights. We had to tie the Dutch door shut because the big goofy goat kept opening the door to the cold to see what he was missing outside as goats are wont to do. But the snow was a different story. Drifting raised the snow level inside their paddock so that we had to step down three feet to get to the inside pen. Delivering buckets of grain to some, hay to others, and water to everyone became an Olympic sport. 
The goat will not give you time to maneuver around the doors and narrow clearances, while the piggies and chickens swarm at your feet for their expectant chow. Sometimes you become immobile, unable to go forward or back, while locked up with members of the impatient flock. We're like Greco-Roman wrestlers, immovable, pasted together, locked, struggling forward, me, or backwards, them. Hay flies around, pellets rain to the ground, which causes the goat to break off after them, paradoxically freeing me. Every day is a pitched battle. Often, they are their own worst enemies in getting fed on time. The donkey seems to want to yell at the others, Will you let them in so we can eat? But with the snow everywhere, all 18 feathery or fuzzy souls are forced to eat in the same space, which is one crazy whirlpool of mad eating, crunching, and slurping. One of us has to stay in and referee until they have finished. A totally thankless task. Our pink, younger prodigy pig, Iggy, vacuums up her food and immediately turns to the slower, older pig. Hamlet's bowl. Hamlet always gives way, but we won't let him. One of us must stand guard over Iggy to block her. Her end runs around all sides of Hamlet's perch. Keeping a large, flat poop shovel at the ready is just the thing for blocking the Igsta. By simply swinging it pendulum style while holding the handle confuses the aggressive porker. She can't make up her mind which side to run around the swinging pendulum. She keeps changing her mind from second to second. It is really quite amusing to see Iggy's thought process in dealing with this blind spot in her pig radar. She's like a kid who can't decide whether to eat the ice cream cone in her right hand or the lollipop in her left hand. Her attention keeps shifting from side to side. Meanwhile, Hamlet gets to finish his leisurely meal. Tee-hee! It's psychological warfare out there, I'm telling you. Food has a way of bringing out the best and the worst of animals, especially when feeding them in close quarters. In normal times, they are pretty respectful of the other guy's bowl, but in extremis winteratus, they are not. Nor were they in Snowmageddon four winters ago. This felt like a mini-repeat version of that trying period. Many of the same challenges, just way less snow. But now, like then, we had to learn a range of new skills to cope with the animals and our own survival. Some, like the tableau of me locked and loaded with food, trying to get by the goat, locked like surging linemen in pro football, and battling for supremacy to get past the goat, are funny. But others, like perpetually frozen water bowls and buckets, and lugging jugs from out all the way from the house to concerned, upturned piggy faces, are not funny at all. But one thing is certain, 
There will be spring someday. There will be a fine, wonderful time when there is green grass and lazy, boring barnyard afternoons spent watching a pig scratching his butt against a rock. It'll come again, I keep telling them. I'm not sure if they believe me, but fear not. This too shall pass. <laughs> that was the beginning of this year. However, political relations having been restored, questions of respect discussed, not disrespect from the editors of the paper, but from the publisher straight down to me. I just wasn't considered particularly valuable to them as a writer. So we took a little bit of a sabbatical until the editor and I could come to some compromise. When we did that, columns resumed. But I'm not going to read you my first column of resumption. I'm going to read you my second. Because, of course, I had to come back with the animals. But I'm going to read you my second column. I, of course, responding to cable TV, like the one half of the country does. And this column is very short, but it's called, What? Lock her up really means. With apologies to my engineer, Jim Capillo, for my incredibly inflammatory style. What lock her up really means. It isn't just Hillary or Diane Feinstein by any means. No, that malicious chanting repeated at Trump rallies, one of his go-to agenda items, is truly aimed at a wider target. Lock up each and every woman who gets too uppity, fights back, testifies, or dares to play hardball politically. His Republican Party, afraid at first, now embraces the humiliation. And those crowds at the rallies? No, they clap their hands and lick their lips when chanting, as if a giant troll should emerge, seize, and eat Trump's excoriated enemies headfirst, feet last. They lack only pitchforks, but they sure love to chant, Lock her up! Lock her up! Yes, lock her up also applies to Stormy Daniels, Dr. Blasey Ford, Trump's 13 sexual accusers, even Elizabeth Warren, Maxine Waters, and now Taylor Swift. Megyn Kelly found out the hard way, as did Arianna Huffington, Meryl Streep, Rob Porter's ex-wife, Mika Brzezinski of MSNBC, Miss Universe 1996, Alicia Mercado, Heidi Klum, Lisa Page, and Jill McCabe have all come within range. They've been warned. Next time, it's lock her up. Well, Hillary will have plenty of company in that cell. Because doesn't Trump really mean all women? He seeks to lock up women's bodies. Pro-choice? No choice allowed. He's on the record as saying a woman should pay a price, a penalty for exercising that right of choice. His crowd would agree, lock them all up. Lock up those troublemaking, disrespectful women marchers in their hateful pink pussy hats. What did they know about government or the serious business of doing business with supporters? 
A good woman knows when to have dinner on the table for her man. She's not out causing trouble or pretending she knows how the world works. Let the men take care of the important stuff. You know, as the fundamentalist societies of Iran and Saudi Arabia do. They employ religious enforcement squads who check women to ensure their burqas and chadors cover every inch of their bodies and minds. They literally do lock them up. Will America be Iranicized with a far-right fundamentalist Supreme Court presiding over a more liberal society, but canceling their liberal or moderate laws as the Ayatollahs do in Iran? Choice? Free thinking? Power? Lock her up! Trump adores societies that control their women, or at least hold them down. The Saudi prince has it together. He knows when to throw them a bone and when to put the hammer down, as he still does against women's rights campaigners in Saudi land. You still need a man's permission to do basically anything, including getting a car. But back here at home, it's a simple message. Women are great in America, until they're not. Then it's time to lock them up, lock them up, all of them. All of you. So, a little bit of controversy out there in the airwaves. And now, the rejoinder column to Big Freeze in Pigland. Yes, after we finally went our, let's see, nine months without a column, I figured it was very important to come back with a pig column. After all, they were very upset with the lack of attention that they've been given in the press. And that's how this column begins, with their unhappiness, with their lack of attention. And the name of this column is Like a Bunch of Drunks at the Bar. Out in the barnyard, no press had made the animals very grumpy indeed, especially those two pigs. You know how they can get. It had been a mostly rotten summer for the precocious stars of the barnyard, animals who hate heat and high humidity. As in, sweating like a pig, you know. The other big animals, the donkey and the goat, they were even more miserable with their long hair. Whatever, it was searing and wet. But worst of all, it was not as crowded as they liked. No one pays attention when you're not in the paper, after all. Out of sight, out of mind. Where were all their admirers and fans? How fast the public drops its media darlings. The big blow fell when the annual softball game the farm has staged for over 40 years was canceled when Mr. Mastronzi's big delivery truck got stuck up to its fenders in the spring mud of our front field. Instead of stopping, though, the driver doubled down, floored it, and ripped a 150-yard, four-track-deep rut across the game field that was never repaired properly by Mastronzi. The pigs thought this was hysterically funny at the time, watching again with huge grins spread across their faces. 
But that softball game was a major source of attention for the barnyard. The crowd would line the pens in between innings and share food morsels, nay, entire items with the brood. There is something about feeding a hot dog to a pig that few people can resist. It's like coming full circle or something poetic like that. But more important, it brings back a steady stream of returning admirers throughout the entire summer. Children and grandchildren in tow, almost always bearing goodies. This summer was reduced to a trickle of attention. They were not pleased, scowling through most of the season, waiting for their fans to appear. That and the flies. Drought and then rain. Boom, out come the flies. They dot the pig's coats, but the pigskin is so thick they can't bite through. The donkey is worse, his feet and flanks severely covered. He gets sprayed twice a day and it helps, but Mr. and Miss Piggy run away when the spray comes near, as does the goat. They want no part of it and would rather be miserable. They roll in the dried mud, taking dust baths to keep the flies off. Seems to work. The goat has grown truly gigantic this past year. The world's nicest guy, brought in to keep the donkey company after the death of his 20-year pal, has taken the job to heart and stomach. He is so big, about two-thirds the size of the donk. He could be saddled and ridden, he's so big. He is one strong dude. Sometimes he plays around by botting you from the side. If not attentive, you could easily end up on the ground. Often, in fact. But he always has a smile on his pleasant face when he does it, and it's impossible to stay mad at him. He just wants you to scratch his ears. That's all. The scrum, rush, melee that goes down at feeding time still has that Oklahoma land rush feel to it. The pecking order rules all, and God help the chicken or goat who gets it wrong. The donkey clears the goat off his food, as he has a nasty habit of standing right in the middle of the hay pile when munching away with the completely innocent goat look. The pink pig, Iggy, she snaps at the ears of the black older pig, Hamlet, if he hasn't finished before her. She feels entitled to eat his breakfast, if not already gone. He's a slow eater who saves savors every bite. She wolfs her food, vacuums, actually, so at times you have to stand guard and block the aggressive, precocious porker from taking advantage. It's all about the pecking order, Jim. The chickens really enforce that order, too. The hens defer to the big rooster in their run. He usually takes that first peck, and then he steps back to let his ladies have their turns. But... They have their own order to enforce, based upon seniority and size. Speaking of roosters, we do have an unforeseen glut of them. Last year, our hatched eggs thrived, but produced too many males. 
being soft and mushy farmers, we couldn't kill them. And we now we have six roosters for 10 hens instead of one to cover the whole flock. So, of course, there is one really lucky feller with the gals, but the other five segregated. While no battles ensue when one rooster crows, the other five answer through the wire. Now think of the mathematical possibilities of cacophonic cluster clucking, and you have our daily noise level. Eventually, the main rooster gets hoarse, trying to answer all of the answers. By the end of the day, they are all hoarse, and it sounds like a bunch of drunks at the bar. Such is life on the farm. Welcome back, piggies. Yes, and that, my friends, is what's going on in Pigland. So, another wonderful edition of Fishtown Local, testing your patience, your intelligence, and your sense of humor. We do hope you'll be back. We will be back next week, same time, same station. And thank you, Jim Capello, for putting up with my madness. I'm your host, Gordon Baird, and this has been Fish Town Local. Now everybody dance like a pig dances. Yeah, get up on your back feet, piggies. Yeah, wave those ears in the air. Yeah, pigs, all right. No, no more cheeseburgers. Get your head out of my donut bag.